Okay, so <clears throat> I can't see everyone's face just because of the light, but that's uh, so. Well, uh, anyone, any, anything? Yeah, Alex. Um, yeah, I, I wonder in your talks, but before now, sometimes you say about um, what works, do what works, and and I'm just interested for you what that is. I mean, is that kind of just kind of fully your bliss? It's been a long time since I've read Joseph Campbell, so I can't remember exactly what he means by that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think if I remember from years ago reading him, uh, so did everyone hear what Alexandra's asking? Yeah, what, what when I say follow what works, what um, what is that for me? You ask me personally, or or just yeah, to elaborate on what that, uh, what I mean by that? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Thank you. So, um, <clears throat> I think. My guess is what Joseph Campbell means is, is more something um, like he, he might have well have said, follow your passion in life or follow what you really care about or follow what brings you joy in a kind of larger trajectory in terms of work and where you are and you know that kind of thing is my, my guess remembering. So I guess I mean that too, but usually probably when I say that, I imagine I'm talking mostly about meditation and it's a more... Um, I, I meant within the meditation. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Good y- yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. Um, yes, I, I think the first answer is yes, because, so there's this thing, like what I was saying, one of the reasons for emphasizing the energy body is it can work as a kind of um, compass or a barometer, so that um, in whatever practice you're doing, so let's say with the imaginal practice, um, you might have an image, an image might come up and it's dark and scary looking or then conventionally the mind goes yikes this is dark and scary and this can't be good etc but if I'm open enough and just I actually notice well okay the mind is saying that but the energy body actually has come into some kind of alignment it's come into some kind of openness some kind of harmony maybe more energy um, etc so the energy body is telling me something different than the mind the energy body is saying there's something here for me it's a treasure my small mind, usual, habitual ways of thinking, don't quite get it yet. I don't quite know what it is. It's opposite to how I usually think about what's helpful and what's not. But I, I, I would incline more to trusting the energy body there. If something's genuinely, um, you know, uh, not helpful, it, it, won't, uh, it won't harmonize like that. Yeah? And it can be the opposite. Here's this nice... Uh, frilly, ballerina, angel figure, you know. <laughs> um, and I think, oh, that should be really good for me because I really need that. And the energy body is just not, you know, it, it's the mind thinking something. So that's one example, yeah, of, of fo- following what works. Um, in other practices, like insight practices, or, or let's say even, even in mindfulness practice, you know, let's say I'm just, here's this heartache, or here's this pain in my knee, or whatever, and I'm just trying to be with it, or be mindful, something sounds so simple, but actually I get a sense, I'm, I'm being with it, and the thing is contracting more. I'm being with it, and I feel more tight, or something. Um, and then we say, ah, now I'm going deeper into it. Uh, is is that really the case? Or is it the fact that in my so-called simple mindfulness, there's something that's actually tightening the problem? Yeah? So, y- y- it's tricky, because it can be both, but often it's the latter. It's like, what's 
present in my mindfulness at that moment, or what's missing in my mindfulness that would actually be helpful. How do I tell it's helpful? Something loosens. So in terms of, you know, I often say there's, there's two words in, in insight practice, or mindfulness practice, release and relief. And there, but again, they're felt in the energy body. You know, it's not, it's, sometimes it's mental, but sometimes you just feel, you know, and it can be really subtle. That's my compass. It's an energy body feeling. Now, there can be bliss and peace and freedom and well-being and joy and all of that, but at, at the sort of most uh, basic, subtle level, there's some kind of release or relief. And that's telling me, whether it's mindfulness or insight practice, that's telling me I'm on track, but it's, it's through the energy body. Does, does it make sense? Is that enough? I mean, we could talk about it all day, but, but that's... Yeah, okay. Um... Yeah, I'd say that, you, you know, because sometimes we, 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 are, we come to all this with quite fixed ideas of what we need, and, um, and I, I would trust that more, you know, it's, and, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why I, you know, I tend to sort of offer the energy body and put quite a lot of emphasis on because it, it does so much, there's so much available through it. I'm presuming you mean what works in the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, like I said, going back to Joseph Campbell, that's one extreme. It's my long-term trajectory is, am I going to do this or that? Am I going to work in Africa or whatever? You know, great, really important part of life. And and there's also... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. um, uh, uh, But but in in other words, this question can apply on all different timescales. Mostly I'm talking about in the moment. And and really, who who was it who asked... um, Julia, uh, somewhere or other. Um, you know, yeah, Julia, the, you, your question the other day about, oh, I found this imaginal figure, and then when I came to sit down with it, it, it no longer worked. It's like, fine, switch, you know. Other times, you know, I have to stay with something a bit more and really see if this isn't working, you know. But, but there's really, it's really in the moment, fle- f- flexible. I mean, not too much flipping and flopping between, because you need to stay with something a little bit. But, but generally speaking, I'm responsive in the moment without preconception of what's working. Yeah, and I'll say, well, maybe that's enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, Andrea. So my question is around precision. Did you use that word as opposed to the mindfulness of the concentration? So my experience outside, when um, I think it was similar to that man who asked a question the other day about taking in the tree, and there was appreciation there. It's a um, a noticing that something's harmonizing. Yeah. Um, maybe in some respect, uh-huh. but the imagination flits then, and what it um, um, what's meaningful changes uh, from thing to thing to thing, and there was a, a sense in me of um, something wrong with not being able to stay and resonate with each and every one of them. So there might be a moment outside, where there was a moment outside where all the rain fell all of a sudden and there was a, a loveliness in just staying there for yeah. it. And then a, a sort of romance of being a woman standing outside in the rain. Yeah. And then um, that changed to a fairy tale image of the seal, seal skin, soul skin, um, and then later with walking. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't feel that in that moment that I can reach in, touch the energy body, sense the resonance. Yeah. It, was, it seems like there's so much yeah, to, yeah. to do. So, so what I just did was to just 
enjoy the movement of it uh -huh. and to kind of stay with that. I know it's early days here, is that um, <clears throat> how to work with it? So, so the, the, the question is really, a lot of images are arising quite rapidly, flitting, seemingly flitting one, one to another, and um, to not lasting long enough to really tune into the energy body, tune into the image so much, but getting something from each, and, and a beauty in each, and uh, what's right or wrong, or how to navigate that, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, t I tend to think with all this stuff, you know, it's, it's actually there isn't so much a right and a wrong, but you'll get different results depending on, on what you do. I mean, it may be that those images are actually related to each other. In other words, the first two... Um, the, the, okay. You sh do you need anything? No, I've got what I need. It may be that... Um, so, f so, for example, in, in the first two that you mentioned, there's the, the, the beauty... Are we okay there? Oh. So, so I'm not saying this is the case, but it could be that um, here's the beauty of the rain in, in the landscape and, and the, the rain as object. And then what happened, I'm not saying this is what happened, but it could be. Then what happened is like, always when there's an image that's meaningful, the object is alive as image and self is alive as image as well. So it could be that a woman in the rain with all all the resonance of that, was just the subjective part of that same image. Do you, do you understand? And so, it's not really that it's flitting between different images, it's flitting maybe between different aspects of an image, which then you can kind of hold together, or focus on one or, or the other. So it could, could be that what looks like flitting is actually different aspects of the same image. So that's one, one possibility. Second possibility is, yeah, experientially, sometimes it does, it does that for a while. It goes to this, or that same image is suddenly... Um, like I remember when this character kept taking off clothes to reveal a different character underneath. <laughs> it was like, you know, like Russian doll kind of thing. It's like, when are you going to finally stop? And, so, and it did, eventually it settled down to one. Um, so sometimes it's just a matter of staying and waiting, you know, and it will settle. Um, and other times maybe just picking one and staying with it. So actually... Um, Trying, trying to just stay steady with one and see what happens. Neither it will feel like this really isn't right, or it will begin to morph or, or change and become workable. But I think, I think my tendency would would be yeah to advise more like um, I integrating it into something that's more settled that then you can come into resonance with like that. Because what? Because again. We want the whole being to be involved in imaginal work. Means body, energy, soul resonances, awareness, or, or and if it's too flitting, it can't really come into resonance and do the soul work so much. Do that? But that is um, how is that not mindfulness, or how is that not focus? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So I'm not, you know, uh, yeah. Thank you. I'm not um, saying that. Don't be mindful and don't be focused. I, I'm, I'm not wanting to say that at all. I'm really, um, I guess, and a lot of you know what you hear on this retreat and maybe other stuff is really 
responding to context and what tends to get prioritized and sometimes overemphasized so that it excludes other possibilities. So if, if you hear me say something like that, it's really in response to that. Yeah, I mean, Catherine was using the word lingering. Um, it's not lingering for the sake of, great, today I notched up two minutes, 45 seconds, uninterrupted uh, time with this object. Well, it's, not, it's not for the sake of that or because a still mind is better. The lingering is, is because we can come in more into resonance and, and, re- and feel more and, and more, more can happen there. So um, being steady with an image or relatively steady with an image or, or vision is actually, uh, is actually really helpful. <coughs> it's just... I think in the larger picture of things, it tends to get a bit overemphasized. And so many people get so tight around it and it becomes so painful. And it's a self-measurement thing about how how well one or badly usually one is doing that. Um, and that's the sort of thing I just want to kind of shake up a little bit. Yeah, But, you know, sometimes you'll get something, as I said, that just doesn't seem to settle. And, and then there's different ways of, of responding to that. How, how does that? Yeah? Okay. Good. Um, you talked about mudras yeah. in there, and I don't know if this was specific to me. We spoke a while back, and um, we were talking about an issue that I was having, and I just and I told you that I had been meditating with my hands up. Yeah. And you said, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, hands down. Okay. I can't go into why now, but let's just say for okay. hands down. So I'm wondering why. <laughs> I do remember, yeah. Um, or I'd forgotten until you reminded me. Um, the, uh, all I would, I think, what I'd really rather say is that what I see is sometimes people always meditating like that, or mostly meditating like that. And um, what I would rather encourage is, is have some time not doing that, even if you're just that the opposite, the palm down, um, or this, or, or all kinds of possibilities, or this, or, you know, um, the, the, uh, I have to be more specific. I think I know what you're saying. I had actually been meditating, I think primarily like this. Uh-huh, yeah. And then I switched to this, yeah. and that's when things started happening. Yeah, good. Great and was this, did this come from a Zen tradition? Yes. It looked pretty Zen to me, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, this is a very open gesture, that's energetically. It's, it, it, it's working. Yeah, absolutely. And this, I can almost feel your, the pressure, <laughs> and all the teaching that goes around it. Tightness, presence, brightness, alertness, discipline, you know. It's not like one's right and one's wrong. It's like everything we do has an effect. And going back to Alexandra's question, it's like, what is the effect? Now, I I think we're complex as human beings. We're rich at even different stretches of time. But even, you know, sitting to sitting, it's like we need different things or we'll respond to different things. So it might be that this, you know... No, no. <laughs> um, but there might come a point in your life when that's one one among your repertoire sort of things. But um, yeah, that makes it. It's, it's just clear in the gesture. One's a lot more soft, a lot more open. It's a bit like this can get a little. Or there's the possibility at times that this openness with the palms up it gets a little. What should we say? Flabby. 
flaccid sometimes, okay? Um, that's just, it's not that it will or it needs to or you shouldn't do that. It's just that's one of the ways it can go. Just as this can get too tight and rigid and forced, that can get a little, one of the things. And actually doesn't allow so much depth. So, but, but really the answer that I would give is, is play and experiment. And there's, you know, there's much more than just those two options. You know? um, but the, it's quite a subtle thing, the whole thing with hands. It's not like a huge... Although, although that, though, between those two is quite extreme, so that, that could be a deal changer. You know? But even going from this to just turning mm-hmm. my, my hands, palms down, yeah. can make a big difference. Yeah, yeah it will. And uh, as I said, you know, it's amazing. It, it, like, here, here's the hands at, at the heart. And, and just that, or, or just a little bit higher, a little bit softer, it's like, it's different. It's, it's really subtle, but it's different. And, um, you know, not to make too big a deal out of this, but it's something that we become more aware of. Mind affects body, body affects mind. And, and body meaning physical, but also energy body, and then energies and the perception and all of that. Yeah? Okay. Someone. Uh, Keva, yeah? Yeah. Um. This might not be uh, appropriate but, uh, to answer because uh, it's more about your um, talks relating to some of the things that uh-huh, you've done sure. some of the talks leading up to this rather than practice per se. But it'd be really good to have your view. Um, so with this kind of way of working with the imagined, um, you know, I, I find it very beautiful and, and it, it's, it's uh, a lot like the tantric yeah. kind of um, so I've got kind of three questions on the same theme. Um, so they're not very well thought because I haven't spoken. But, um, the first is they say something in. I, w- I wanted to know the relationship between sort of this way of practicing it, it, to your mind and and working with places as traditionally understood. So um, I think there's some kind of aphorism in Tantra where they say, according to Sutra. Uh, the glaciers are the cause of suffering. According to Tantra, ordinary conception is the cause of suffering. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you'd be able to talk about the, the relationship between... Or, or is it just that because you're working with emptiness and because you're, you're being fluid with, with your ways of seeing, that that kind of undercuts tendencies towards grasping and mm-hmm. therefore anger and mm-hmm. therefore... Mm-hmm. The, the second sort of related... Is it okay to... to or maybe you... Uh, <laughs> what, what do you want, Carol? Uh, I thought if I just get it all out. <laughs> <laughs> and let me mop up, yeah. <laughs> all right, go for it. Um, so, so, so then the second thing is, um, and again, you, you've already spoken about this a lot, and different things are appropriate for different people, different times, from six. But when trying to build a kind of uh, arc, a trajectory of practice over, over one's life or mm. something, um, I feel like a lot of traditional Buddhism, a lot of Buddhism terrified and Zen, even Tibetan, has a lot of that, what Hillman would call spirit mm. element to it. So there's a lot of discipline. There's vows. There are, um, there's seeing things through, you know, sometimes whether or not you kind of want to because you've made a commitment in a certain kind of way. And I just wonder how, you know, uh, the soul element and the spirit element relate in that respect, especially in the context of Dharma, where there seems to be so much of a trajectory towards a kind of a purity or a transcendental something, sometimes, um, and whether and how those two work 
together. The two being soul and spirit. Yeah, uh-huh. or, or like, you know, like maybe you have like Sankhapa or Chandrakirti write a lot on Buddhist Maja. Tantra is obviously very beautiful, lots of stuff. But then they're also, they also abide by the veneer and make yeah. sure that they're yeah. monks and stuff like that. Or um, preliminaries, you know, Sankhapa adds the five to the four existing preliminaries, so you have to do nine in the Gelug or whatever. You um, and then the final thing is just this way of practicing for modern people, for people with our psyches, um, I feel like it is very appropriate, it, it resonates, there's a lot of beauty in it, there's a lot of much needed beauty that's missing in that kind of dead scientific materialist you know, conception of the universe. But, um, is, you know, what, why, what, what is it about the Dharma as we've inherited it? that means that it no longer has that soul resonance? Or um, is it that the myth of, you know, being around at the time when the Buddhist teachings exist and, you know, awakening is possible and all that kind of traditional conception, is that is that not re- so relevant for most, from what you've seen from all your students and all the stuff you've been around, is that not so relevant? For us? Is, is what not so relevant? The, the, the kind of... I guess traditionally Buddhists would have found meaning, or at some point they would have found meaning in this bigger myth mm-hmm. that would have given the whole path mm. a kind of soul yeah. resonance yeah. that maybe it doesn't have anymore or something like that. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm kidding, but to me these are really important questions and um, stuff that I'm really interested in. I think just I'm going to have to be brief somehow. Um, but it's the kind of thing... I've talked a little bit in the past in different talks, and, and I hope to, in the future to talk more about the interface with Tantra and exactly the kind of things you're talking about. But, uh, yeah, they're really big, big questions. So let's just see what we can say briefly. Um, uh, I mean, in regard to the first one... Um, so kilesas is, is greed, hatred, delusion. It's three three poisons. It's classic Buddhist language. These are the um, defilements. They're uh, what we get rid of in full awakening. So the path is... Th- they're obstacles to awakening. They're dissolved in full awakening. And so uh, cl- classical Buddhism, if, or non-tantric Buddhism, just sees, sees that uh, in that way. And... Um, cultivation of beautiful qualities as well as insight um, cuts the, the, the kilesas until eventually they don't uh, allegedly arise again for, for a fully enlightened person. Um, <clears throat> which is all, all great, you know, and uh, uh, important and, and true. Um, part of what it's like we can cut things, at, just like you can chop a tree at different levels, you can chop kilesas at different levels. So, in a way, the deepest chopping of, of a kilesa is, um, like cultivation, I know nothing about gardening, so I should steer clear of gardening now, <laughs> so, so maybe back, back up. Um, <laughs> um, the, the deepest level of cutting kilesas is actually seeing that the kilesa is empty. There is no one who has this greed, hatred, delusion. More than that, there is no, ultimately speaking, there is no greed, hatred, delusion. That does a few things. One of the things it does is it undermines the whole 
the whole mechanism of the kalesis generating, but it also then frees you up in relation to how you're seeing those. Yeah. Then the whole question of now, how am I going to live? Yeah. Um, how am I going to live in my action? How am I going to live imaginally, knowing that? You know, that's complex. You know, and as you say, most most tantric. Uh, most traditional tantric wisdom is, is is with quite a tight um, basis in in the bodhisattva aspiration, in developing goodness and kindness, in um, commitments and vows of monastic orders and and ethics and all that. Um, I think for most people that's important, a, a basis in goodness. Um, it just even today I was talking with someone, you know, things, and I'll mention this maybe later in the retreat. I think there's a danger of being too much towards the white and, and, and the sort of nice, pure. That will work for some people. In other words, what's alive, souls are different, so to speak. Soul making is different for different people at different times. So I'm, I have a, a great uh, resonance with purity and purity. It's something very, it speaks to me so deeply. Um, and I also recognize that I have a lot of darkness. And by darkness, I don't mean evil. I don't mean anything like that. I mean, I mean the dark gods, you know, and um, eros and, and things. And, but, but it might be that someone, um, and this relates to your third question, that the, 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 the path of purity and the resonance with purity is soul-making for them. And the whole myth, uh, even the classical Buddhist myth, is, 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 what they, is just what they need. Or it's what they need all their life, or it's what they need for a portion of their life, and at some point, uh, maybe it, it becomes ah, no long, no longer so potent, so deep, and so rich soul making. Like, what's missing? What's what's happening here? Um, I mean, I have to also say that the the whole when the Buddha was alive, they lived in a different cosmos. They they lived in they did not live in a flat scientific materialist cosmos. So the whole thing was ensouled anyway in ways that I mean. I, don't get me started, but um, but you, you know we we approach the Buddhist myth in a much truncated form nowadays, uh, and and for some people even that truncated form is alive for them as as myth. It's soul making. It it fits very beautifully, and like I said, that might last a whole a person's whole life, or it might just last a part of their life, or it might never really do it for them. And some people need a path that allows and invites more of the erotic, more more of a place for desire and the beauty of desire, more passion, more darkness, more eros, more all of that. How that relates to ethics, and you know, that's complicated, and um, I, you know, for me ethics are very important, but they're also not simple. They're not simple from a soul point of view, they're also not just simple even from an ethical point of view. You know, one of the functions of Buddhist ethics is, the Buddha, is actually to simplify things. So in the original Buddhist teachings, the movement is out of the world, simplify, um, go, you know, both both the path of mindfulness and the path of non-fabrication, of letting go of appearances and actually transcending appearances. You could say they're not soul-making. The path of deliberate fabrication, deliberately engaging in images, is, is more soul-making. So you've got kind of a three sort of avenues, which ultimately we can be skillful in all of them, um, mindfulness or bare attention or whatever, 
um, deeper and deeper into non-fabricating, and then skillful playing with fabrication, which we'll be emphasizing on this retreat, two of those, so to speak, cut soul-making, because they cut imagery. You understand? Um, they have their place, and for some people, even that, that whole thing is, is enough. You know, they don't have a lot of need for imagery and eros, and they're just a different soul, you know. Um, other people, it's not going to fly. You know, it might have its place, but it's not going to be the full, the full, is it Monty? Or is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it's almost like, like I said this, mor- this afternoon, souls are different, paths are different, we have different needs, and that changes over time. If, if I do have a lot of eros, if I do have a lot of image, if I do have a lot of passion, there's a huge gift in that, and there's a challenge in that. So with every gift, I'm given challenge. Do you, you understand? Um, so it, I, I'm asked to integrate more. I'm asked to work with more. It's more complicated. It's richer. It's like, how does this fit with that? How do I get skill in this? And then there's this, and then there's this. You know, in a way, it's in a way, it's easier to just not have any of that. And it's all kind of simple, and there isn't a lot of you know. Um, but the question is back to what works, and this is more of a long-term trajectory as well. It's like, what's what's my soul, and what's the needs of my soul? Um, and, you know, I think I, just teaching so much and, and hearing from so many people, some people, someone said to me, what was the word she used? I feel neutered or ampu- am- something's amputated. I've been doing mindfulness, I've been doing, you know, it's like, for another person, it's not at all, it's enough for them. And this person's like, it's only when we raise it as something that they realize, oh, that's been missing, or someone else is saying to me, how years of practice actually trying to fit into into a certain box without even realizing um and then and then feeling some, something's not right you know um so there's there has to be a kind of honesty and a sensitivity in asking but it is more to ask one very last thing um in terms of so yeah you're referring to something which maybe people actually a lot of what you're referring to maybe people don't understand but hillman talks about the dichotomy between soul and spirit soul being more this you know, dark, labyrinthine, complicated, passionate, involved, spirit being more spacious, transcendent, long views, peaceful, calm, equanimous, <coughs> removed, detached, etc. So, yeah, most spiritual teachings, classical Buddhism included, are more of the spirit, you know. And some, but I think, I think there's a lot of skill in making that distinction. I also, more recently, would kind of call it all soul. And not make that decision. So, in if we say in our soul has different needs or different levels. So, I love the transcendent. I'm, I I have a pull there, and I can't tell you how grateful I am that I devoted so many years towards that and to opening towards that. And it's not everything. And so um, uh, there's there's that if you like level of soul and level of soul need. And there's other stuff that that's not about that. That's that's more. You know this dark, darker stuff, uh, um, or more, you know, more towards fabrication, etc. So I'm more interested now in kind of what what way of holding all this actually just allows it to integrate without causing, you know, dichotomies or polarities or either ors or, and actually re- again recognizing that not everyone, but a lot of us are complicated beings. I, I say, I'm a complicated person, you know, and it's like that complexity does not need to get ironed out. It needs to be respected. And open to, and navigated, and and uh, sensitized to, you know, so that my makeup is, 
you know, bow to rather than like let's let's blanch it all out and paint it like everyone else's, which is nice and white and square and clean and all that, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm more interested in, in in ways of thinking that actually can 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 actually accommodate all of it in 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 a way of thinking that's useful. That's the short answer. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Tam, you had a question. Do you want to? Um, well, we can take time. Some people will need to go, but um, I'm, I'm happy to... Unless you feel like it's a really long one, or... I'm not sure. It's been burning for, like, three years. Hmm. Hello, Tam. <laughs> Hello. I'm a meta practitioner. That's what I do. Beautiful, yes. I do talking meta and a breathing body meta Great. and meta meta. Beautiful. And hanging out with my friends meta. Mm. And I often don't manage doing meta for many months at a time. Well, when I practice metta, I purr like a cat. Mm. And it goes And then I can feel a sensation and I can kind of hear it. Is it nice? And I can move it. Yeah, good. Wonderful. Because it's overwhelming, or because it's sometimes it's overwhelming, sometimes it's boring. Sometimes, what, what's what do you need the help with?
I'll just say three things, okay, three, three possibilities. Um, one is, and they're really picking up on, on things you've said already, but one is, um, if it's too much energetically, um, it's like, use the imagination a little bit to let it out. It's like letting steam off, you know. Let it yeah, and that's fine. But but it's like giving it, allowing it to move how it wants to move outside of the body, radiating towards other people. Will take when it feels too overwhelming. Will 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 ease it. So that's one thing. Um, if it feels too much, um, you, you can just open open the channel so it just goes out. You know, and then it's really skillful. You're you're. It's healing you on the way out as well. Um, but it, it just has more space rather than it's like there's too much pressure in there. To to for, there's too, there's not enough space for the amount of energy. And purring that's going on. So that's one thing. Yeah. Second thing is um, sometimes you might want to. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll reverse the order. Um, of what I was going to say. Um, second thing is, and you said this. Sometimes it doesn't feel like me. I'm being purred, and so I would. I would, especially in the context of this retreat, that's the kind of thing that you might want to. St- um, open to a little bit more. It's like um, that this has divine dimensions, and if it gets a bit boring, it's like that might be what needs to come alive a little bit in the way that you're seeing it, and you can play. You can play with that. Does that make sense? Oh, okay, okay, okay. But but even if it's not boring, I I, I wonder whether that. Um, which is everything to do with this retreat, is, is what, um, and it's already there. Um, it's like this sense of, there isn't a prescription for this, but it's like get, allowing it to have its divine dimension, or dimensions, let's put it in the plural. Um, something bigger than you is coming through, as you said, but you are being purred, probably for all kinds of reasons. And there's, again, this is part of the imaginal sensibility, that, and it's like... Um, I'm, I'm allowing that to have its more than purely physiological or human resonances and, and ideation behind it. Yeah? I'm allowing it to, I'm allowing myself to feel it's all the different kinds of divinity that are uh, potentially wrapped up there in that perception. Yeah. Can I say the third thing? Sure. Um, the third thing is, um, which may or may not include the second thing, is that sometimes you want to put it in contact with suffering. Cats purr. And sometimes, some cats, when when they sense that a person is unwell, they'll come sit on your tummy, and they purr away. And um, uh, what's, ha- you know, the, the purring, the healing energy is coming into contact with the pain. That could be psychic pain, heart pain, physical, whatever it is, but you can deliberately bring these things into contact. So it might be you're purring and you actually feel good, and you say, why would I want to bring up my pain now? But it's almost like, just bring it up a little bit and let the purring surround and lap against and hold just a little bit of pain so that those two come into contact. Or you might be painful in in, in some pain, and then then it's like, can there be some purring that comes to touch this? What's important is the contact of the purring and the pain. Um, so that they don't kind of occupy different realms of our being and don't come into contact so much. So that that's the third thing. And sometimes that contact is also in the contact of the divinity with the pain. 
which also you know casts a different light on our perspective. Catherine's talking about this tonight, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about this like dukkha, pain, and divinity. Yeah, so three possibilities. It's okay <laughs> for now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we probably should just stop. Or is that, yeah, let's let's just have one minute silence together. Then we'll call it. <coughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.